Here we are. Let's talk about God. Episode 35. 35. Today. We, I literally like forgot what number we were on. Like I messed it up earlier. But we're on 35. It, is it just not um, like amazing that we have done 35 episodes? Like I was thinking about how, I mean, it was two years ago. I was still living in my apartment, not our house, which we've been living in for a year, that you texted me with the idea. And then I said, I've literally been thinking about this. This is hilarious. We think strongly that it was a God moment. Absolutely. So we felt like that was just God speaking to both of us, and, and that converged that morning when I texted you, and, and, and we've had a blast. So we've done 34 episodes. Yep. And this so is that's the two a month. That's 17 months. So that's almost a year and a half. That's crazy. That's real crazy. I we, love it. We need to pick our 50th episode and, like, do something. I don't know what that means. Just do something special. We're going to send a $100 check to every one of our listeners. Every single one. Every one. And, and if you get other people to listen, we'll send you $200. I don't know where we're getting that money from. Oh, I didn't say the check could be cashed. No, you I didn't say it was going to be good. We just, <laughs> oh, they'll be bouncing all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Who ever said anything about money? Still, we're going to send you that check. That's right. That's hilarious. Instead of cashing it, you can just put it in a little frame. I like that. At work. Yeah. And then look at it and be reminded of us. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, and I mean, we've been enjoying this too because we're kind of shocked at the amount of listeners we have. I mean, we're... Yeah, we're not like some kind of big podcast, but also it's not like... It's the same five people listening every time. We're, like, blessed to have a little audience, people that are faithful. and We're well in the strong hundreds. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's, so we're kind it's of a good time. Like, this is cool. We're having oh, fun. Yeah. I mean, we're just sitting here having fun talking about Jesus, talking about God, but we're, we're wanting to help others. We want to help mm-hmm. others. And so it's just nice to know that there are people that are, that are sharing it and subscribing and sharing it with other people, and we want you to do that. Um, because this is great. I think this is great for discipleship. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and the more we know about God and, and who he is, then our faith is stronger. Yeah. We have sound doctrine, and um, it can create conversations, and it can help you to be to, to maybe feel more qualified to mm-hmm. talk about this with other people. Or if somebody brings something up at work, you can go back and look back over and say, hey, Chris and Evan talked about this episode 17 and you listen to it and then or you can say to this person well look listen to this podcast and i think it could really be something that can just help a lot of people yeah and i I know like our heart is always for people because this this podcast especially with the nature of it could become real stuffy it could become too deep too fast and the sense of that it's like we're out in no man's land talking about who knows what but i love that we're able to take stuff that is deep and make it so that everybody can understand it, not just people in seminary or whatever else, right? This is stuff that matters to your everyday life, and that's what I love doing. Well, you and I are pastors, and I think that's what pastors do, is they take the deep things and they make it where everybody can understand it and obviously apply it, because we try to really hard to to turn the theology into application, yeah. which is what the writers in the Bible did. Absolutely. Like if you read the book of Romans, half of it's theological and the rest of it is very practical. Yeah. That's like almost all of Paul's letters. Mm-hmm. First half is theology. Second half is application. So yep. here's what you need to know. Then this is how you live it. Yeah, exactly. Every day in your life. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, today is a good example of both. Very deep theology and very applicable theology. Today we are talking about union with Christ. Okay. Union with Christ. 30-second definition, here's what I put. It is the present experience of the risen Christ indwelling the believer's heart by the Spirit for the sake of salvation. That's really good. That's, that's real broken down. I can't claim that I made that up all on my own. You stole it, didn't you? (laughs) The Evangelical Dictionary of Theology assisted me greatly. I added a couple words here and there, but it assisted me greatly. Okay. (laughs) I thought maybe you were going to say, like, you put a period on the end, and that was about the extent of your contribution. All right, so my 30-second definition is like five seconds. So you ready? Mm -hmm. Union 
We're, we're talking about union with Christ. Yeah. All right, so here's my 30-second definition. Ready? Yep. I'm in Jesus, and Jesus is in me. That's good. That's real good. Thank I you. I like that. that. That's quick. That's and that, that may good. not even have been five seconds. That's real good. Yeah, I'm in Jesus, and Jesus is in me. And that really is the essence of what we're going to talk about today, because there are two components to union with Christ. Absolutely. Is that I'm in Christ, and then Christ is in me. And the Bible speaks pretty pretty extensively mm-hmm. about both of those issues or subjects, but they are ultimately connected. They're saying the same thing, but not, but are all at the same time. Right, because it is because it's the, the the ultimate is we're united with Christ. Yeah. But how are we united with Christ? Well, Christ is in me, mm-hmm. so there's a union there, but I'm also in Christ. Yeah. And I'm so I'm united with him. So that's what we're going to talk about today. It's yeah. good stuff. Yeah. Let's talk about just why this is important. Why this isn't maybe just another topic to just sort of you know, throw around and talk about. And in his book, One with Christ, Marcus Johnson says this, and I think this puts it into perspective. He says this, to put it yet another way, the gospel is portrayed as the offer of a depersonalized benefit, grace, justification, or eternal life, rather than the offer of the very person of Christ, who is himself the grace of God, our justification, and our eternal life. And so as we talk about union with Christ, he's talking about how so often we we put it in a depersonalized way. Well, I want to get saved to get these benefits. Jesus has come here to just sort of throw these gifts at me. When he's saying the heart of the Christian life isn't to receive, you know, justification or grace, it's to receive Jesus, who is our grace, is our justification, is our life. So, so like one person said, too often we're so busy looking for God's hand when we should be seeking God's face. That's right. The person himself rather right. than his providence or his blessings. I, I, I think you're right. And our salvation is ultimately found in the person of Jesus Christ in being united to the God-man. It's why Christmas, it's why the incarnation is just so important. It's the fact that God became a man as the bridge for us to get to God. And it's in that man that we, you know, receive our salvation. So the ultimate union with God was Christ. Absolutely. As man. Absolutely. That's deep. Now we're in the deep end. We're in the deep end. By the way, I found my, I actually did have a deep definition. Oh, good. It was Lewis Lewis Burkhoff. I just didn't realize that I'd written it down. So this one, this one, I like mine better. That intimate, vital, and spiritual union between Christ and his people, in virtue of which he is the source of their life, strength, blessedness, and salvation. That's good. Yeah, I thought that I was like pretty that. good. Yeah, like that was that. pretty good. But that, that's, that's, uh, that's extensive. But I still like mine better. Yeah, no, that's, that's all right. <laughs> I'll take my evangelical theology dictionary, whatever I used that I stole. Anyways, here's another reason that um, that union with Christ is so important. The Apostle Paul uses in Christ, in Christ Jesus, in the Lord, and in Him, ref- referencing Jesus, approximately 164 yep. Times 164 in the times. New Testament. That's right. Now, that is crazy. To be a doctrine that seems to be so overlooked at times, the Apostle Paul uses it a lot. Yes. I think it's one of those things where when something happens over and over again, you kind of like, you just sort of blank it out. You know what I mean? Like, you, it's not like you even see it anymore. But seriously, listeners, go read the Apostle Paul, any of it, and just see how many times he says, in Christ Jesus, or referencing to Jesus as in him, in Christ, whatever. Yep. It's everywhere. Everywhere in his writings. So it's extremely, extremely important um, that we understand what union with Christ is. And I would say, kind of combining those two statements, that union with Christ is the center of salvation. Like, it's what it's all about, is being in union with Christ. Because like we said, that's where everything else comes from, sanctification, justification, you name it, it has to start at union with Christ. Well, there is a something called the Ordo Salutis, it's Latin for the order of salvation, and um, 
and we're not going to get into all that, but it talks about that there actually is an order when you come to Christ, when you are saved, what happens, you're, mm. you're convicted, you're justified, whatever. I don't remember all of them. But in one list, and it may be Calvin's, I don't remember, but whoever it is, is the union with Christ is like right in the middle. Mm. So I don't think it was Calvin's, but whoever it was, it was it's right in the middle. And it's funny that you you made the, there's kind of a pun there that you said that union with Christ is sort of the cent- central. Yeah. And, I, and I've read theologians who said the same thing you did, Evan, is that, even though they put it in the in the order of salutis and the order of salvation, the reality is, what you said is that it really encompasses everything, all of salvation. Yeah, and so I think I think you're right there. This is a really important subject yeah, today that we're talking about. Uh, um, and, and yeah, and, and and I think my hope and prayer for today, I, I want you to kind of buckle buckle up. We're going to use a lot of scripture today, more than we usually use, in the sense of just directly quoting it. But we want you to see the depth and breadth of this, and we want you to almost develop a uh, a view of Christianity now centered around that union because it's so important. And so why don't we start with sin? <laughs> I think that's a good place to start. If we're talking about salvation, well, let's start with sin. And here's what I mean. Sin begins in the context of Adam the first Adam. The doctrine of original sin says that Adam sinned, and so now we have received his sinfulness down the generations from him. It was that first sin that has set us on this destructive path. Because he is the federal head of the human race. Yep. He is a representative of all of us. Of all of humanity. And that's why the Bible says in in one man or in Adam, mm-hmm. all sin. Yeah, and so you can we can really say that as a sinner, we are in Adam. We we are in a sense in union with Adam if we want to use that language keeping with what we're talking about today. And so in Genesis chapter 3 Adam which actually means, you know, man or humanity, you know that that's what his name was representative of all of humanity. Well he sins, we're all born sinners. Cain and Abel testify of that. Their own kids, their own offspring are sinners and that's where we get it. And then in Romans chapter 5, 12 through 21 Paul gives us an extremely important comparison um, between the one man, Adam, and the one man, Jesus. Who's called the second Adam. The second Adam. He says, just as sin and death came through Adam, so grace has now actually come through Jesus. That he sets up these two you know, families, these two lineages almost, where if you're a sinner, you trace yourself back to Adam. But now through faith in Christ, we can almost change our spiritual lineage, our ancestry, not to sinful Adam, but to perfect Jesus. So we're united with Adam via uh, genealogy or uh, humanity. Absolutely. I think we could just keep throwing out that we're united with him. Mm -hmm. But we are united with Christ, the second Adam, through salvation. So the union with Adam through genealogy makes us sinful. Mm -hmm. But by faith united with Christ, that makes us saved. The principle here is that really we are are like our ancestor, like who we're in union with. So if you're in union with Adam, well, you're a sinner. You're messed up. Because he had a sinful nature. That's who Adam is. And you have a sinful nature. But when you are, when you transfer, now you're in Christ. Well, Christ was like us in every way, but without sin. He has a holy nature, and now we have a holy nature. Absolutely. United with Christ. And so now spiritually, we are descendant, descendants spiritually from Jesus Christ in union with him, becoming like him every single day. That's it. And so when we talk about that, that is a real, and we're going to get into that more, but that's a real, actual spiritual, effective change that happens in us when we put our faith in Christ. That we're not just learning from Jesus in the sense that we're studying him, but we are in union with him and become like him. I believe it's John in 1 John that says, um, we cannot sin because his seed is in us. Right. And in a sense, his DNA is in us. Right. And so now we've got Christ's DNA in us in a spiritual well, way. Well, uh, Paul said in one place, but you have been made partakers of the divine nature. That was the apostle Peter, yeah. Peter rather did, yes, thank you. In his first letter, I think mm-hmm. it was, but you've been made partakers of the divine nature. That mm-hmm. scripture to me 
has always blown me away. And I mean, I'm a theologian, an educated theologian, but that, that verse, my whole life has absolutely blown, that I can actually participate in the divine nature. And That's this, deep. And, and that puts us back to the last four episodes yeah. where we talked about the, the communicable and incom, incom, incommunicable traits. Obviously, I can't be omnipotent, omnipresent. You don't ever change essence. Right. So I'm, I'm still a human being, mm-hmm. but I'm not divine being. But I participate in that nature, in that, and I think this 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 session is re, this podcast is really a great follow up to what we just did with the mm-hmm. communicable attributes, because how can we have all those things, and how can we be holy, and how can we? It's because we're u- united with Christ. Yeah. It's the only way. Yeah. So again, this subject is vital. This is one of the biggest things we could ever talk about. Is if you're saved today, you need to get it in your head. I'm united with Jesus. I'm in Jesus. Jesus is in me. And that's the only reason I have anything and everything. I feel the Holy Spirit. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Uh, He helps me. He hears my prayers. He speaks to me. The word makes sense to me. Just going down the list of everything that has to do with being saved. Yeah. It is because you are united with Christ. And I I think I love what you said about being partakers of the divine nature. We never, ever, ever change essences ever or anything like that. I think, I think a helpful thing to think about is, you know, just as Jesus was the perfect union between God and humanity. He said the Father and I are one. Absolutely. Yeah. And he is both God and man, not in the same way, in a similar way. Because Jesus brought that union between God and man where there was separation, that's why we can have that union between God and man in us now through Christ. Yeah. Right? At the basis of that is the incarnation. Yeah. And so I think that's a cool way of thinking about it. Even when you get to Christmas time, that little baby boy has now been the bridge that pulls God and man back together just through him. Yeah. Which is crazy. That's really deep. Crazy that's good. First um, Corinthians chapter 15, verses 21 through 22 says, for as by a man came death, Adam, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. And so I think that's where we get not only just our sinfulness, but we inherit death from Adam. But in Christ, our future is actually resurrection life along with Christ. And we're going to talk about this later, but just think about the life of Christ now. What did he do? He died, but he rose again. I am in union with Christ. So what am I going to do? I'm following after Jesus. I'm going to die, but then rise again because of his work. Right, and here's a rabbit trail that we can't go down because this would have to be an entirely different episode. But Paul says we have been united with him in his death, Mm. in his burial, in his resurrection, in his ascension, Mm. and in his exaltation. You read this Mm. in Ephesians 2. So baptism shows that we're united with him in his death, okay? And then and then in his ascension, we, he said, we have been raised to heavenly places. We've been made to sit in heavenly places. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And so you say, well, I'm not there. I'm here. Right. But positionally, that union means that you're as good as there. And in reality, that is to, that is to come. In reality, it is to come. Mm-hmm. So that that union with Christ in his saving work, okay, is the basis of your union now in life. Yeah. In your life you live for him now. Mm. So this is some deep stuff, but it, it but but it's really powerful. Yeah. Because he didn't just die for me. This is done. This is gonna get crazy, but I died with him. In a in a very Real, but not real, but real sense. Right. So I didn't die for myself to save me. You didn't die me. physically, but in a sense, you died. But I died with, with him Christ. for my own salvation. Yeah. I died with him so that my sins are dealt with. Yeah. I'm, and by, a lot of that is identifying with him. But still, it says we are united with him in his death. Mm. So there, that's a whole other episode. Maybe mm. we can talk about one day is, is the, that's good, the theological ramifications of that union with Christ in his atoning work. But yeah. that's the point is this whole thing about being united with Christ, it's not just God doing stuff for us. It is God doing stuff with us and in us and yeah. through us, doing life. It's God doing things as humanity, and we as humanity can now participate 
in that. With God, with what he's doing. Absolutely. Yeah. That, and that's great. This should give you a new perspective on what it means to follow Jesus, that quite literally we follow Jesus into his suffering, death, resurrection, holiness, you Ascension, eternal life. Eternal life. It's all of it. We follow him yeah. because of him. Um, man, that's good stuff. Um, so here's what I'd like to do. I would like to give us just a real kind of quick, just using Ephesians. Um, yeah. I just want to give you a taste of that that idea of union with Christ as sort of being everything. So we know that God is acting in Christ all of the time. Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, what? In Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing is in Christ. Even as he chose us, how? In him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, because he's holy and blameless. Making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. God is doing things in Christ, so that we would be um, in Christ as well. We know that those in Christ become a part of God's family, Ephesians 1.5. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. So think about this. We are joined to God's family. Why? Because who is Jesus Christ? He's God the Son. And now in Christ, we are sons and daughters of God the Father because we are in in Christ. Christ. Uh, Ephesians 2.18, for through him we have both access in one spirit to the Father. Um, the blessings of redemption are stored by God in Christ. Ephesians 1.13, in him you also, in him, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, and God's plan to unite all things is in Christ. Ephesians 1.10, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And then Ephesians 2.21, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord that's in Christ. Talking about the church. Exactly. And so now we can kind of see, and what, what I really wanted to do is give you a broad picture there. Do you see how much in Christ applies to our life? God's acting in Christ. The saints are chosen in Christ. Those in Christ are God's family. Every spiritual blessing is found how? In Christ. God's uniting all things in Christ. Like everything <laughs> is in Christ. And then here's what I'd like to, uh, I'd like to talk about is um, really th- the distinction that you've made, and I think you're going to help us out a lot on this, is not just being in Christ, but Christ in me. Then I want, to, want us to talk about how are we union in union with Christ, mm-hmm. and then let's just spend a while breaking down every little section of the benefits of being in Christ. Okay. But first, let's talk about Christ in me. So we talked about earlier, we talked about um, I'm in union with Christ, I'm in Christ, and yet there's this idea of Christ in me. You might hear a lot, or maybe you describe it um, to your children this way, you know, Jesus lives in my heart. There's an idea of Jesus being present in us and not just us and him. What does that mean? Break that down for us, um, and, and, and how is that different? How is that the same from what we're talking about? Um, you talking about what, what it means to be in Christ or Christ in me? What, what, exactly what? Uh, talking about what it means for like Christ to be in me. So, for instance, Colossians 1.27, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What does that mean for Christ to be in you? Well, I, I think that, that again, we're seeing this when it goes back to my original definition about Jesus is in me and then I'm in Jesus. And so uh, I, w- I want to go back a little bit, though, to, to what it means to be in Christ because then I want to segue into this other. I think for me, and we might get to this in a little bit, but 2 Corinthians 5.17 really yeah. bears this out. Uh, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old mm-hmm. things have passed away. All things have become new. Are we going to talk about that in a minute? Yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll talk about that so, towards the end. Yeah. So Christ in me is, um, it, it, again, that Galatians 2.19 passage is a mm-hmm. really great passage of Scripture, too, yeah. where he talks about, I have been crucified with Christ. 
and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Yeah. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So let's just take that verse because I think that verse really helps explain what it means. Because the verse before that says, for, through the law, for, for I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. Mm. All right, so the point is I want to live my life not for sin, but I want to live my life for God. How does that happen? I have to have Christ in me. So that's why Paul said, and that verse 20 is really powerful. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. This gets back to what we talked about earlier, where I was united with Christ in his death. Mm -hmm. I have been crucified with Christ. Well, I didn't die with Jesus 2,000 years ago. I wasn't even alive 2,000 years ago. But spiritually and positionally, in God's eyes, when I got saved, I died with Christ on the cross, meaning that as Jesus took sin upon himself for the world, I took my sin and put it on the cross with him, mm-hmm. okay, in, in a sense. There's, there's, a, there's a, a connection here. Yeah. So that it, in essence, my sins were dealt with because I'm identifying with what Jesus did. That's why you have to believe that Jesus died on the cross when you get saved. Yeah. That's why you have to confess that Jesus, that you believe this, that, that faith is in his atoning work. Mm-hmm. And so you're identifying with that, you're embracing that, and ultimately he says you died with Christ. And so then he says it's no longer I who live. Now, I'm still living. Paul said he was still living, so it's not like I stopped breathing. It's still me. I'm still sucking mm-hmm. in oxygen into my lungs. You still have your personality. I still have my personality, everything. But Christ lives in me. So, so now Christ has come inside of me. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit, how that happens. That's through the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But let's just leave it for there right now. So Christ now comes inside of me. So I want you to think about this. When you got saved, you had sin inside of you. Jesus was on the outside, sin was on the inside, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, but when you get saved, the sin goes out and Jesus comes in. Maybe you go back to that thing, the Adam goes out, the Jesus comes in. And Jesus comes in. So now I have Jesus living. So we used to sing a song years ago singing, Jesus on the inside, working on the outside, oh, what a change in my life. Mm. And so that's what we're talking about, is now that Jesus is on the inside. When you do Reformation, it's from the outside, I'm getting educated, I'm being trained, I'm, I'm being counseled. Uh, somebody's trying to help me change my ways. Here's what to do. It's just about action. Right. Michael Jackson, I'm looking at the man in the mirror. <laughs> okay. I'm asking him to change his ways, all right? <laughs> that's what we hope. That's the mm-hmm. best the world can do. But when I'm saved and I get Jesus in me, the sin goes out. But you say, well, I still got, the, you know, sin and the nature and, the, you know. Yeah, but now I've got the power and the presence of God, hmm. Evan, divinity living inside of me. That's why when people get saved, they need to understand you didn't get reformed. Yeah. You receive Jesus inside of you. Yeah, you feel better and the guilt and the fear and the shame's gone and you feel a lot of peace and joy and love. And they tell you you're going to heaven now. But heaven's right now. I mean, it's not, but the point is yeah. you've got Jesus inside of you and you have everything you need in him. Yeah to live right, to overcome sin, to love people, to love people you don't like, that you used to hate, to treat people nice, to do all the things that we that we say to them, all right, now you have to live a different life. Mm-hmm. Well, if that's by reformation, that's a heavy load on me. Yeah. But if it's by transformation, because I have him inside of me now, then Christ in me helps me to be like the Christ in me. Yeah. Does that that's good. Yeah. I Christ. see what you're saying. The point isn't that we're being taught better or just simply giving better instructions, there's a fundamental change because God is in God's me. inside of me. Yeah. And that's why we say when people look at you, they ought to see God. Yeah. Because if there's enough transformation, not reformation, but transformation internally that's now shining externally, then when people look at you, listen to you, see what what decisions you make, choices you make, places you don't go, places you do go, things you won't say, things you do say, that after a while they're going to say, man, that, you really remind me of God. Yeah, That makes me think about God because there's God living inside me. So that's why Paul went on to say, in the life which I now live in the flesh, okay, yeah. the life I live, I get up, I go to work, I raise my family, I spend time with my spouse, I go out and play golf, I go fishing, I go hunting, I go to a, a baseball game or Go see the Clemson Tigers, whatever. Uh, I live my life in the flesh, but now I live it by faith in the Son of God. What that means is I don't trust myself to live right. I don't mm-hmm. trust myself to keep myself right with God. I'm trusting him who lives in me. Yeah. So uh, the faith that I have that, I, that the life I live is going to be a life pleasing to God is not based on my own merit. 
because I'm going to sin and fail. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to trust him living inside of me, living through me. It was the Apostle Paul who said that it was God. Um, he was willing. He, he, he was moving his will to work. I can't remember the exact passage, yeah. but it's God who's willing and working through me. There's a sense when God takes, I can't remember what it is, maybe Philippians. It's Philippians. Um, yeah. God takes up residence and then now begins to transform me both in what I desire and both in what I do and the actions that come from that. Well, I think this applies here, and I've preached on this before. It's Philippians 2 where he said, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, mm-hmm. since you were talking about living right, mm-hmm. always, as you've always obeyed, not as... Not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. And by the way, for all of you listening, you should just live right when the preacher's around. Okay, <laughs> You should live right when the preacher's not around. You should live like the preacher's around all the time, yeah. if that helps you. But Paul said, this is what I love about you, church mm-hmm. member, is that I don't have to be around and then you straighten up. You're, you're living right because you're not living for me. You're living for Jesus. Mm-hmm. So he goes on to say, so just as you're always doing this, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah. So I have a responsibility. I have to read God's word. I have to know what his commands are. I have to make the effort mm-hmm. to choose right, not wrong. Next verse. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And to put that a little more understanding, both to choose, because your will is your, your, your volition, mm-hmm. your, your choosing mechanism. Yeah. So it is God who works in you to choose and to do for his good pleasure. So if I let Jesus in me choose what I'm going to do, God's always going to choose the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's when I let my flesh or the devil tempt me or the world tell me what to help me make my choice and I tell God, shut up. Yeah. Shut up. I don't want to hear you right now because I want to do this. Then I'm going to sin. But if I let God choose in me, the God living inside of me choose, then I'm going to say, I'm going to make the right choice because whatever you choose, that's what I'm going to choose. Yeah. And then I'll do my part in fear and trembling mm. with reverence and humility saying, God, I can't do this. You got to help me. I'll do what I can, but you got to mm-hmm. help me. That, that's powerful. Yeah, that right there talking about Christ in me. Uh, and when it says Christ in you is the hope of glory, when Colossians, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the hope of glory is this powerful concept of of resurrection and future so that I'm not just, it's, it, okay, it's not just Christ helping me right now while I live, but it, but it is Christ in me for all of eternity. Yeah. It, he's the hope that I have to, to, to the hope of glory, the hope of, of, and glory kind of, you know, the future and being in heaven and all that mm-hmm. waits us there, but also just is the hope of gl- glory is always how you recognize God. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the glory of God, it's it's how you identify God. Yeah. And listen, I just said earlier, people ought to see God in you. What is the hope in me that I will glorify God? Because, you know, the Westminster Catechism says the chief end of man is to glorify God. Yeah. So the whole point of me breathing and sucking in oxygen is that there should be something about me that that makes people think about God? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm supposed, supposed to be a God man, or you're supposed to be a God woman, and when the only way that happens is Christ in me. Yeah, is only how that's going to come to pass. Yeah, and so you know, you talk about we're adopted as his sons and daughters by union with Christ. Absolutely. Uh, again, in Christ makes all the difference. Of course, we could talk about this. We you know, go on and on. On and on, because they're, like you said, there are 164 scriptures to talk about. <laughs> but I guess the point is, if we would think more about Jesus lives inside of me, like we remember the WWJD era, mm-hmm. what would Jesus do? And yeah. for some of our listeners who may be younger, they're like, what? Well, there was this whole thing that went on for a long time. You can, everybody was wearing a bracelet. Remember the mm-hmm. rubber bracelets? Yep. WWJD. Well, you know, what would Jesus do? If you're not careful, that, that could have got into... I'm just going to try to mimic Jesus. Yeah. But I, I, that's not Christianity, is it, Evan? Not just pure mimicking. Nope. Not powerless mimicking. No. You, you mimic him. You, you model, it's not mimic him. It's mo- and not even because mo- you say, well, I'll model him. Mm-hmm. I'll just, I'm going to live my life like he did. And that's what, like he's an inspiration. But he's not an inspiration. He, it, again, it gets back to transformation. He's a, he's a source inside of me influencing my thoughts, my actions, I just have to learn to listen to him. The only the only reason I can even ask myself and then successfully perform what would Jesus do is because I am in Christ and Christ is in me. And yes. he's transformed me from the inside out. 
and he is, you know, the, the hope of glory, and he is the, the only way to the Father. I want to live my life to glorify him, to be like him, to look like him. Like, that is what I am pursuing, and that's the only reason. All right, now let's just go down a path for a minute. I think this is a good point. I, don't, I know I've looked through our notes, but how can Christ live in me? Yeah. All right, now how does Christ live in me? So let's talk about that. When you get saved, I, I, I bet a lot of our listeners, when they got saved, if they're saved, said, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Mm-hmm. We were taught to pray that, come into my heart, okay? What we're doing, we're praying this, but we're asking Jesus to come inside. So how does Jesus come inside and live within me? Because when I read the Bible, over and over and over, we've talked about this before in the New Testament, the writers are moved by the Holy Spirit to emphasize and stress incredibly that after Jesus rose from the dead and went back to heaven, Acts 1, when he floated through the clouds, Mm -hmm. that today, right now, he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He's our intercessor, our advocate with the Father. So we know that, and then one day he's going to come off of that throne and come back to get us. So how can Jesus live in me and live in you, but if he's sitting at the right hand of the Father? Well, he's divine. Okay, keep going. So he's divine. <laughs> but so, really what we're what we're seeing here is that Jesus is living in me through his Holy Spirit. Right, the third person of the Godhead. Mm-hmm. So we have to talk now about the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Christ. Christ. Yeah. Okay, so when I get saved, Christ lives in me because his Spirit, the divine Spirit, who is it, who's his own personality and yet always glorifies Jesus, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit came to live inside of me. So he is the one living inside of me, working on me, transforming me, producing the fruit of the Spirit in me, mm-hmm. helping me. So there is a verse in the Old Testament that says um, that when you're going along, there will be a voice that you'll hear behind you saying, here is the way, walk in it, don't turn to the right or the left. This is the way to go. That That is a beautiful a, a description of the work of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. that you have within you, the Holy Spirit, who will speak to you. And every one of our listeners right now is saying, yep, there have been times when I was at a moral crossroads and I was being tempted to go one way, but I heard, it was that quiet, silent voice, but I heard say, don't do it. You know, a lot of people used to do the devil and the angel on your shoulders. Yeah. But for a Christian, as, as comical as that may be, that's not there may be a devil, but it's not an angel, it's, and he's not on your shoulder. He's in your heart. It's the yeah. Holy Spirit mm-hmm. saying, don't do this. This is the way to go. This is the direction you need to take. Yeah. So when you're talking about being transformed into the image of the Jesus you're united with, it's through the, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit who, who lives inside of us. Yeah. Okay? And uh, I'm going to go a little deeper here. Um, there, when we talk about being united with Christ, there, there is a true spiritual union. Mm-hmm. Now, I know the, there have been theologians who, who differ with this, and, um, and, and, and they ignore the verse I'm about to give you. But 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 17, uh, and I'm going to read that to you, okay? All right. So let me just read that to our listeners. All right. But he who is joined to the Lord, does that sound like union with Christ? It does. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Hmm is one spirit with him. So that says to me pretty plainly that there is a spiritual union that occurs. Mm-hmm. So my my spirit, because every, every man and woman who lives has a spirit, right? Your body dies, your spirit lives forever, okay? I, I'm a trichotomist, so I believe there's a body-soul-spirit, but even those who say who are dichotomists say there's a body and then there's a soul or spirit there, they see it as the same thing. All right, so when I get saved, th- th- my spirit unites with the Holy Spirit. There's a spiritual union. And I want our listeners to think about that. When you mm-hmm. got saved, you you merged in some kind of mystical, awesome union with the Holy Spirit. So it's not like Jesus is just living inside of you, like sitting in a room. Yeah. He is in the house. Yeah. He's intimately connected with you. With you and your spirit. Yeah. All right. Now, the reason why I can go down this road is because Paul is actually talking with them about sexual union that is wrong. Like mm-hmm. if you get have sex with a with a prostitute and sexual it's amazing stuff like that's in the Bible. And <laughs> and he says that you know that that kind of thing is wrong. He was talking about sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and by the way he said 
Uh, food for the stomach, stomach for food, but God will destroy both of them. Now, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Mm. So there is a union. I'm not just my spirit, get ready, but with my body. Mm. My body, body is good. God created matter. Material is good. It's not bad. Yeah. So there is a union with my body, soul, and spirit. Yeah. Okay. So if I'm trichotomous and I think this, the soul is the seat of the mind and emotions, I have the mind of Christ and, and, and Christ lives in my heart by faith. Mm-hmm. So you see what I'm saying? There's a merging with my entire being. And so he's talking about that kind of a relationship. And so that's why he went on to say, do you not know that your body is the temple or the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Mm. So we're talking about Christ in me, but he's talking about the Holy Spirit in me. Yeah. Do you see that? Yeah. Okay. Whom you have from God and and you are not your own. Mm. So there, this is this is really deep when you talk about the, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, for we Pentecostals, this is evident, this union with Christ, in, in that there are two distinct matters. So I don't want to say that there's kind of like a, a losing of the Spirit of God. I still have my spirit, and the Spirit of God is still the Spirit of God, but there's somehow a joining, just mm-hmm. like a man and a woman can you know join together as husband and wife, mm-hmm. but yet there's still a man and a woman, there's still a husband, there's a wife. There's yeah. a distinction there. Okay, so we Pentecostals, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, if I pray in a tongue, praying in tongues, which is a work of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. so I don't do that on my own. The Holy Spirit gives me. He says, my spirit prays, right? Mm-hmm. My spirit prays. So my spirit, joined with the Holy Spirit, is praying in a heavenly language. But he said, but my understanding, which is my body, my mind, is unfruitful. Yeah. So that's just evidence to me that there is this unbelievably incredible mystical almost. Uh, uh, yeah, that that it, that happens where the Holy Spirit um, comes inside, mm-hmm. and uh, and then he helps us, you know, to be in Christ. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll give you another thing. This whole, um, you know, you say, well, you know, how does God see this? Um, this is a cool reference. So Saul, who became Paul, mm-hmm. we've talked about Paul who wrote half of the New Testament. So he's Saul, and he's on the road to Damascus, and he's persecuting the church, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And Jesus strikes him down with a bright light, and he falls on the ground, blinds him, and he, he begins to speak to Paul. And he says, Saul. He says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? me? He didn't say, why, do you, why are you persecuting the church? Why are you persecuting Christians? He said, why do you persecute me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm the one you're persecuting. Yeah. And so This is my body. This is my body. So that right there shows you that this whole union with Christ, when and just a good thought, when somebody is giving you a hard time or giving you grief, or if you even suffer pain, loss, persecution, or even death— for Jesus, he takes it personal. Yeah. It's, it's not you standing by yourself. It is the Christ in you, and he sees it as a persecution of himself. Now, I would say this is an argument for unity in the church in the sense that um, as we deal with one another as Christians, watch what you say, what you do, how you treat people, how you talk about people behind their back, because you're not just talking about an individual. You're talking about Christ. In Amen. a real, literal sense, um, just as Jesus told Saul there, why are you persecuting me? Jesus could look at you and go, why are you talking about me? <laughs> why are you insulting me? Why are you doing this or that with me? And so there's that. There's sort of an impetus there for unity in a real way because we are united to Christ and him. Yeah, and I mean, boy, we could just keep going and going because, you know, Paul said we don't judge any man anymore according to the flesh. Mm-hmm. You know, he says a lot of times we look at people and we look at that we judge them according to the flesh, but he says now we, we don't do that anymore because if they're in Christ, you know, then we have to see them. Well, listen to this, 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we're all made to drink of one spirit. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Greek, slave or free, where you come from or whatever. We're now in one body. How? Through the Holy Spirit. We've been made to drink of one spirit. Well, if you take that verse and break it down, here's the simple version. Is the Holy Spirit put me into the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And then when I got in the body of Christ, 
Christ had me drink the Holy Spirit. So he takes me and puts me in Christ, and then he takes the Spirit of Christ and puts him in me. Mm, that's, that's what that's good, saying. Yeah, if you break it down. Baptism and drinking. Mm-hmm. Baptism, I'm put in the water. Drinking, the water comes in me. Yeah. Do you see that? Yeah. So that's that union Kinda, yeah. with Christ. But who's the mediator? The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. I love Colossians 3.27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, baptism means immersion, um, have put on Christ. And so I want you to think back to your baptism. If you've been baptized, if you're a Christian and you haven't, do that. Do that as soon as you can. Um, as many of you as were immersed into Christ have put on Christ. And so there's this sense in which by the Holy Spirit, we're immersed into Christ and we are in, we're in such union with him. We have put him on like you put on clothes, like you put on a jacket. Like, <laughs> I don't, this is so weird, but in my mind, I just imagine like a full costume of Jesus. Think about the most stereotypical Jesus you can imagine dressing up for Halloween. I don't know why. My brain goes there because it's just like I am so in union with Christ. It's like I'm now indistinguishable in a sense because we are in such a union with him. And then I think, too, and and, um, I think this is really helpful, there are a lot of biblical metaphors for this union. Jesus uses this in John 15 with the idea of vine and branches. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that he does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So what's the idea? That we are joined to the vine, and he is the one that gives us life. In Ephesians 4, 15 through 16, we've got the idea of Jesus as the head, and we are his body. Rather, speaking truth and love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we are a body. We are in such union with him. And then finally, marital relation of Christ in the church. I'm not going to read that whole scripture, but the idea of Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, 23 through 32 is that you know, basically Christ and the church is reflected in marriage, and really marriage reflects Christ and the church. He says in verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And so we even see it, God has designated this in everyday life, and I love this, that we can look at vines and branches and say they're there I am with Christ, that we can look at our very own bodies and say, that's how close I am to Christ. I can guarantee your head and your body are connected by this thing called your neck, right? You're one one and the same, right? Those of you who are married, you know that there is an intimate union between you and your spouse, just as with Christ in the church. So God has graciously even designated these pictures just in the world, to show you how closely connected you are to him. Yeah, and I just think that's why I'm going to keep saying it, that I hope our listeners are just grabbing this today, and it's yeah. it's just firing them, up, firing them up because they're thinking, wow, and this has totally changed my thought process that I am united with Jesus and everything I have and all that I experience, you can't separate it. I can't yeah. separate anything that I do, that Christ is right there with me, in yeah. me in my marriage and in and, and everything that we do. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and when I got saved, I just didn't, I didn't just change my route from going to hell, going to heaven. I, I, I joined with the Lord. Yeah. I, I was transformed. This is like radical. There's a radical transformation that happened inside of me. And I would say, I know we were talking about this the other day. Like I love right now reading about the early church, the early church fathers, the early church pastors. That's my thing right now. And I would say this idea of union with Christ is not like a new development. Like it's not like some theologians a hundred years ago, like just discovered this. This is part of the earliest fabric. There is this guy named Irenaeus. He wrote this huge thing called against heresies, against these heretics. His idea that he, he puts forth. Now, Irenaeus is a friend of Polycarp, 
who sounds like a Pokemon, right? Polycarp, I choose you. Anyways. Or a fish. Yeah, or a fish. Polycarp knew the Apostle John. So my man's connected. And his idea of salvation is what's been called recapitulation. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea is that Christ really is the second Adam. And so everything that Christ does, he is almost purging humanity of its Adam, right, and replacing it with Jesus in the incarnation. And so, and I think that's valid with what we're saying in the sense that I'm joined to Christ. So think of it this way. You know, in Christ, he's baptized, he receives the Holy Spirit, and then he goes out into the wilderness, right? Satan comes to attack him. Now, who does this sound like? Adam. But Jesus is in a way worse situation. Hasn't eaten. It's been 40 days. He's out in the desert. He's completely alone. And what does Jesus do? He does not sin. Who have you transferred your spiritual membership from? (laughs) Adam, who sinned in the garden. Now to that guy, Jesus, who did not sin even under the worst circumstances. Right, and now— That's your spiritual lineage. And and then that Jesus lives inside of you. Yeah. You're one with him. So now when you're tempted to sin— he overcame sin. He, uh, that's why he said he's, he's, he's been tempted with all points like as we are, yet without sin. So there's nothing that you ever face, there's no sin you ever tempted with, that that's going to catch Jesus off guard. He's yeah. going to say, been there, done that. You want to overcome it? Because I'll help you right now. You can say no. Yeah. All right, let's go down this path for just a minute. Mm-hmm. And I know we can't cover everything. We, we, got a, we got a list right after yeah. this. We'll, we'll go through everything because I, I want you to see the breadth of it. But, but let's talk about a, a big word called sanctification. Mm-hmm. So sanctification is is a process about being separated from sin to God. Mm-hmm. All right. There's positional sanctification and then, and then practical sanctification. So here's the thing. When I was saved and sin went out and Jesus came in, I was positionally sanctified. Because the sin went out and the Holy Spirit of Jesus came in, when, when I stand before God through justification, et cetera, I am united with Christ positionally, okay? I'm standing before Christ righteous, holy, and mm-hmm. united with Christ. But now, practically, I have to live like that. That's what sanctification is. It's not a set of rules. It's not trying to make your preacher happy, your yeah. pastor happy. It's about making God happy. It's about living in a way that reflects the God. That's that's the biggest thing. It's about living up to your actual union. Your union. Living that, out your actual union. That's what we're talking about today, yeah. living up to the union inside of you with Jesus. And we're not talking about for any kind of merit. We're not talking about to impress God or earn enough Jesus points. We're talking about being truly transformed by your union with Christ. To overcome the sin and to reflect and glorify God. Which you want to do, because right. sin is destructive. Right? And, well, and sin <laughs> it separates you from God, yeah. and sin will disrupt. It's not only destructive, it's disruptive. Well, that's even what Jesus said in that uh, John 15. You know, any um, in any branches that don't bear fruit, my father prunes, he cuts off. Which is what vine dressers do. Yeah. They cut it off because of the boughs get too heavy, mm-hmm. nothing produced. The sap is running into them. And it's not producing anything, so they cut it off so that the sap, the life force, yep. will go into the branches that are producing. So that's what we're talking about today: is that um, is that you are you are you are given the power to live right, yeah. to live a life that is separate from sin, to be sanctified, mm-hmm. to be set apart from sin. So if you're really saved then you don't want to sin, you don't live after sin, and you let Jesus and you help. That's why there are people, Evan, who think that you're going to sin every day. Did you know that? Did you know there are yeah. people who don't, who don't, they think you cannot live a victorious life and overcome sin? It's kind of sad, really, because I think it almost, it undermines, if we're going to talk about union with Christ, it undermines that union. It undermines the union. It's, and it's, it's really sad. It's defeatist. Yeah. Well, that's terrible because that's, undermining Jesus. The Jesus in you, you can live day, not just a day, you can live days above sin. You can go to bed at night and say, you know what? I did pretty good today. I I didn't sin today. That should happen. That should be, and if somebody right now is going, "Uh uh-uh, that can't just be possible, then you're not getting this today. When you have the united, when you are united with Christ and you're in Christ and Christ is in you, that you can overcome sin and you can reflect and glorify God from the time you get up in the morning, time you go to bed, and it's not you; it is Christ in me yeah. doing it. Okay, and that's why Paul said, "I don't think we've read this yet." 
yet is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Yep. Yeah. Old things have passed away. You ought to have a funeral and bury the old you. <laughs> You know, that would, well, that's really what a baptism is. I was, it about, is. I was about to say, we should start something. I was like, wait, Jesus did. Jesus did. It's called a baptism. <laughs> and the old you dies, and the new you comes out by the water. You go in dry, you come out wet. Well, actually, Changed. Can, can we start going through yeah. these scriptures here? This is, act, this is relevant right here. Go with so it. let's talk about it on the topic of sanctification. So when we talk about that union with Christ, we share in both Christ's death and Christ's Resurrection. Which so we, think about we this. talked about that. Yeah. What shall we say then? Romans six one through eleven. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Yeah, we talked we're, about that yeah, earlier. Union with Christ. Union we with Christ. Died and risen again. But that union in Christ, Paul said, how can you keep sinning? Yep. That's what he said. You know, God forbid. I know you're in a different version. I think mine, the New King James, says God forbid. Yeah. Uh, wait a minute, just God forbid. forbid. <laughs> God is forbidding it. That's what he's saying. Don't miss that little statement. You know, people say, oh, God forbid. That's exactly the point. You're united with Christ, yeah. and the Jesus is in you is forbidding it. Yep. So if you got sin in your life and you're putting up with it, and it's a practice. Now, we all have times where we'll, we'll do you know, incident, what I call incidental sins in a moment of weakness. Okay, God's grace is there to forgive you. But when you get in a habit and a pattern, you're you're now going. There's a that's sinfulness. We're talking about willful, blatant sin. Yeah, yeah. which is a pattern, a pattern, practice yeah. of unrighteousness. Mm -hmm. That is now in total defiance against the Holy Spirit, the Christ living inside of you. Yeah, there's going to be internal conflict. Yep. And at some point, there's got to be resolution where God says, if that's the way you want, it's either me or sin. I'll move out. Yeah, and that's called backsliding. Yeah. And then there are people who don't think that can happen, but you don't understand union with Christ. How can you be united with Christ and then practice sin? Yeah. Because then that makes you that means get ready now. This is going to be heavy. That means you're making Jesus a participant of your sinfulness. Mm. Now, do you think Jesus is going to stay inside of you? The Holy, Holy Spirit is going to stay inside of you while you are practicing sin. Mm. Now, if you have incidental sin, what happens? Everybody out here knows this. As soon as you sin or as soon as you get done enjoying it, you settle down and then the Holy Spirit will work you over. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. It's called conviction. Yeah. And you will feel miserable and you will start begging God for forgiveness and saying, I regret my action. I regret my choice. God, please forgive me. And he does. But when you defiantly, willfully practice sin in total disregard of the Holy Spirit, and you say, no, no, don't do that, then you are saying, no, I'm going to do it, and you keep doing it, keep doing it. It's a practice now. Eventually, you turn yourself over. That's why Paul, all the time, is speaking in church discipline, says for some people, turn them over to the devil. Maybe they'll be saved, but if they're going to be like that, turn them over to their sin. You know, right. there's a way which you can walk away. Because they're no longer in Christ. No. But he said, if you leave them in the church... They're going to disrupt the church. They're going to disrupt the church, and the church yeah. is the body of Christ. We're united with Christ. See, yeah. does all this make sense? Mm -hmm. That's why people say, how do you do church discipline? It's not being mean. It's protecting the body. It's like getting out the toxins out of your body. If you've got something, you eat poison, you're, you'll start throwing up. Yeah. Because your body says, this doesn't belong here. we got to yeah. get it out. And even the Apostle Paul views it as even a gracious act to the sinner, that them being kicked out of the community and handed over to their sin— maybe we'll come back to them they'll wake and up, they'll wake up. They'll wake up and say, I just yeah. lost union with Christ and with Christ's church, and look what it's got me. I'm you miserable. You would be less loving to leave them in and affirm them in their sin. Exactly. Yeah. That, would be, that would be patronizing to, yeah. to their sinfulness. So you go back, is, is that the Christ in you, old things pass away and all things mm -hmm. become new. Yeah. And that's why people say, if you say, I got, sa I got saved but my life didn't change, newsflash, you didn't get happen. saved. Yeah. It didn't happen. We're not saying you get saved and you're immediately a perfect angel. No. But we are saying you get saved and there's a significant transformation. Yes, and even in your mindset, and yeah. your thought processes, mm -hmm. in your desires, you're yeah. not going to want to. Look, I've seen maybe thousands of people get saved. When they really, when people really get saved, 
You don't have to go behind him saying, now, you know, you, you used to do drugs. You got to stop doing gotta drugs. Stop, yeah. You know, you used to drink all the time. Now you got to stop drinking. You know, you used to watch pornography or you used to do this. You used to do that. You used to use profanity all the time. You sound like a sailor. You got to stop that. The Jesus inside of them and their love for Jesus, they'll immediately stop. Yeah. Because they know it's wrong. The Holy Spirit tells them it's wrong. The Holy Spirit starts working on them and say, let's stop talking like a sailor mm-hmm. and let's talk like Jesus. Yeah. Let's stop watching things like a sailor and let's watch like Jesus. So, so this is really important that all things We apologize, become, Christian sailors, by the way. Yeah, if you're a Christian sailor, that's right. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I just for insulting all the Christian sailors. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> all right, we'll keep going through some of these. Some of these we're going to double up because we're making specific points. Romans 6, 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would be no longer enslaved to sin. The reason you're free from sin is because the body of sin is brought to nothing. There's a spiritual old man who died on a cross 2,000 years ago, and the reason you don't sin is because that sinful man is dead. Colossians 3, 9 through 11, do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices. So watch that. There's a, there's a significant transformation, and there's a decision to put off continually and have put on the new self. So you have to continually put off the, the old self and put on the new self, which is being what? Renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Can anyone tell me who Jesus is. He is the image of the invisible God. God, and you are in union with him. And that's why you're being remade after the image well, of God. And that's why this whole sanctification thing, and I don't want us to sound like we're just jumping. It's because the ultimate goal is transformation into mm-hmm. the image of Jesus, who is mm-hmm. the image of the invisible God. And that's why I said there's some point where people I look at you and say, you remind me of God. Why do you get persecuted for being a believer? It's because you remind them of God, and God reminds them that yeah. they're in sin and they're under judgment, and they don't like you because you make them think of the fact that they're not right with God. Mm-hmm. The darkness just hates the light. Darkness it just hate, hates it. hates the light because it shines on the evilness of their ways. Yeah. So ultimately, we want to be like Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.3 3 says, for you died, mm-hmm. and your life is hidden with mm. Christ in God. That is a good verse for what we're trying to say. Yep. You're hidden. You're in the background now. Yep. Your life is hidden, right? It's all about God yeah. shining through me. Yeah. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. What? for good, good works, works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, to do the works of Jesus. Now, here's one that is awesome. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, union with Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Notice, he didn't say you're in Christ Jesus who gave wisdom, who gave righteousness. No, no, no. Who became wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. For us. For us. And he gave himself to us. And so now, because of Christ in you, you have the wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. It's why Paul can say, put on the mind of Christ. Yeah, we have the mind because of Christ. Because of who he yeah. is. We have those things because yeah. Christ inside of us. We can talk about justification being declared right with God. Romans five eighteen through 21. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. So just as Adam brought condemnation because we're all sinners and we all sin, so Jesus Christ becoming man, living a righteous life, dying, rising again. We are justified because of him. Well, Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation yep. to those who are in, in Christ Jesus. That's right. Yep. 2 Corinthians 5, 18, we're reconciled to God. All of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So now because I'm in Christ, I'm no longer an enemy of God. In fact, I'm a son or a daughter of God. And I now reflect that back into the world for a life of reconciliation because I'm in Christ and he's in me. 
We've already talked about this, Ephesians 1.5. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Christ Jesus. So I'm in God's family. I can view him as a father um, because of that. Um, we are given glorification. We're giving those, those resurrected life and bodies forever because Christ rose. 1 Corinthians 15, 21 through 23. For as by man came death, by man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. So Christ is the first fruits in the sense that he rose first. We're in union with him. We rise too. It's that same principle over and over. Through him, we receive new life, 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Um, just, I mean, we could just keep, we could keep going. I'm not even going to go anymore because we've covered it. But do you, I, I guess as we've covered all of that, listeners, do you see how the reception and the union with Christ is the basis for everything? everything? Uh, I'm sitting here thinking Philippians 4.13 because a lot of people know this scripture. Yeah. I can do all things... Through Christ, Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. And that strength is coming from the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, even David, I love this. Let's just go this right here and we'll quit. Um, David said in Psalm, oh, which Psalm was it? I don't know if I have it down, but he said, I was brought forth in iniquity mm. and in sin. Yeah. In sin, my mother conceived me. So that kind of goes back what we full circle what you talked about is in Adam I was brought forth in iniquity mm-hmm. I was brought forth in sin but in regeneration I'm brought forth in Christ. That's why we call ourselves born again. Right. My Christian. second birth is transformative and I'm and so and so that means I'm altered I'm transformed and so be, by being placed in Christ it means I'm changing to be like Christ. Mm. And so, so I just want to say, we could just keep going yeah. on and on with this is the, the whole point. And I hope our listeners are like going, yeah, I mean, maybe like, some... I hope this is almost information overload where this is just ingrained in you. That you're, <laughs> that you're saying right now, you know what? I can live right. I can walk in the power of God. I can walk in the wisdom of God. I'm going to start seeing myself differently. I, I'm going to start, re- I'm, I'm going to start having, I'm I praise life is going to be different mm-hmm. now because I'm going to start realizing I've got Jesus in me. Yeah. Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a change in my life. And I'm so glad and he's in me and I'm in him and we're united and we're one. And the only thing that could stop that is if I let sin and the devil have a foothold, don't give the devil a foothold, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to walk every day in his power and his grace mm-hmm. and his presence. And when I die, boom, this just keeps on going forever. Yeah, Absolutely. Man, this is a good episode. Good stuff. This is probably one of my favorite episodes yeah. I think we've ever done. Yeah, this is good stuff. I, I Look, I hope this has changed your mindset. I hope this has given you something to think about, to process. I, I would like to recommend um, a book. It's called One with Christ by Marcus Peter Johnson, I think is his name. And um, this, this was a book I read. He's uh, evangelical. And he wrote a book on being in union with Christ. I read it like two years ago. It's really, really good. He kind of breaks it down in every aspect that we talked about, beginning with Adam, but then talks about justification, sanctification, you know, redemption, glorification. Like he breaks in all the categories. And so if you want to do some further reading, we'd love for you to check that out. But look, thank you so much for joining us today. Go ahead, give us a like, rate, review, subscribe, the whole deal. Um, send this to somebody who needs to hear it and we will see you back in a couple of weeks. 